Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Escape the Lakes. So I've got a question for you. Have you got the bottle to put your ego on the line? Some say you might have a giant ego, you can read a map, you can walk the hills and you think you're pretty fucking alley. Do you think you could take on the elite hunter force of the Escape the Lakes? Then why don't you sign up to their event and put your fucking ego on the line and try and beat these fucking hunter force? Now the hunter force is made up of alley veterans. The likes of Andrew Isherwood, John Beamson. If you think you're tasty enough to take it on, why not sign up? Put that ego on the line, like I said, and escape the lakes. Check it out. But this podcast is also brought to you by Infusion CBD. Now, Fusion CBD is one of the best in the UK. It's award-winning. And CBD is scientifically proven to help with all manner of things, from aches and pains in your joints, muscles, ligaments, to your mental health, eating disorders, sleeping disorders, PTSD, depression, anxiety, even skin problems. The list goes on and on. Their fucking gummies are so Moorish that you're going to want to go through the whole pot, man. But not only that, the oil is amazing, the muscle rub is brilliant, and they now have chewing gum as well. So why not? Why not? Check out Infusion CBD. Now, joining me today on this show is the great and powerful James Elliott. Now, he is a mental health resilience coach. He's a double Guinness World Record holder. He's an airborne soldier and a performance coach and a father. And just an overall fucking top lad. So without further ado, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast, James Elliott. Stop, sort itself out. Mr. Elliot, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. It's Thank you very much. My big man. Indeed for having me, mate. Thanks, Thank you. How's it been going? You had a good day? Uh, yeah, I've had a busy day. So, like the weather, like running, running in springtime, I would argue is one of the hardest times to run because the weather does you dirty. So I went out this morning and it was, it was chilly. Yeah. So I put on my little Gymshark long sleeve thing and I put, I'm going to go out for a run. I went out and it hit, it hit an illustrious 14 degrees, Mate. which then meant I was like five miles in and I thought, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crack a long run on this because it's too hot now. I'm wearing a long sleeve. I hate getting too hot. So I had to, um, to sack it, but I've had a, I've had a really productive day, mate. Fancy. I've been, uh, been really busy. I actually submitted my uh, a final bit to sort of my my, my final module of the, the latest part of a, a counselling call that I'm doing, which, which actually ultimately now is the end of that counselling call, which springboards me into an advanced CBT practitioner's course. But this um, counselling call finished, the last module was, was on about sort of interpretations of, of the sort of legal structure around mental health. So it's been quite a dry subject. It's been, you know, Mental Health Act and 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 uh, Equality Act and and even Health and Safety came into it, so it's been pretty uh, right. pretty dry to get through that last module. But frankly, I sent off the last bit of it um, this morning, so done. Right. I tell you, is that all like uh, coursework stuff? Is it? Because I'm guessing mm. it's not like death by PowerPoint or anything like that. 
Um, well, some of the courses kind of are. Some of the courses, it, they are. So you get tutors and whatever, and they they uh, they they have a PowerPoint, but it's it's just simply sent to you as a PDF with notes. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, you know, people have like properly cut a corner there. Oh, definitely. Um, oh, you. So you just wind there. up buying them. <laughs> you put the notes in for so me. Take, yeah, have, yeah. I don't have to take notes. Oh, okay, cool. Gonna, yeah, gonna... yeah. So it just it is literally like just download the PDF PowerPoint <laughs> on this. And um, and yeah, and you download and you see it was like dated 2017 in the corner, so it's you know someone's someone's making I want to laugh there, but yeah, so uh, so then you, you you sort of go through that and that's that's the study, that's the reading, and, and that's that's sort of how some of the learnings. But, but thankfully with this one, it's kind of more coursework based, and they send you a way for like writing assignments, which is quite enjoyable. Um, and you send you often say right, come back with a 5,000 word assignment on on anything really you know whatever the, that particular that particular module be I, I remember my um, my advanced psychology the last module which was month to month was um was about uh, criminal psychology and about profiling so it's really really interesting really really fascinating um subject to do and it, it's obviously not what i'm going down at all but it was just part of that sort of big package yeah, to finish yeah. on that and it was really really fascinating to look at sort of the psychology behind criminality and um, you know like most soldiers i'm from a um, you know, council estate background. So, so actually really delve into the, the psychology of crime is really, really fascinating. Why do we do it? And it, it is it is brilliant. That, that's that's fucking awesome. Is that is that all the stuff? So all those courses that you're doing, is that part of like your learning credits and shit through the through the army or is so that... it started with 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 yeah so so kind of mate yeah so so when I um when I was in because I was you know I finished my last two years in the army as the two IC of mental resilience training. Before then I'd done very sort of mental health courses that you know just were offering so the samaritans ran a project where they were offering um their sort of full spectrum of courses from conversations with vulnerable people active listening skills suicide prevention grief counseling yeah. they offered all these amazing courses to soldiers just for free as a pilot and i managed to get on it just knowing a couple of people who, who said yeah amazing and i um i got involved in that did some charity work with them um and then i got on the I kind of wrote off to army headquarters about um, about an idea of mental resilience, got pulled out of the parachute training school and went to army headquarters to sort of set up this project, this army mental resilience training project. And because I was there, I actually got access to sort of going like, what, what does he need to do? So to understand sort of the process of mental resilience, there's a lot of sports psychology tied into that. So he said, well, actually he's, he's going to need some sports psychology qualifications. So off I went um, and I did it uh, through a study house and it kind of just, next level next level next level next level up to level four sports psychology and level six is the degree level five level six is degree level fours um like sort of level level four diploma so you know a reasonable level but it kind of covered a lot of stuff that was really interesting and then because i did that there was an army training mentor course and then off of the back of that i then did my uh um LM uh, effective coaching and mentoring which was a uh, you know level five and then off of the back of that I then went and, and and so like I did pretty well when I was in to sort of accumulate these qualifications and then now that I'm out I am I am just paying out of my own pocket for them but you know some sometimes you know there are there are a thousand pounds or a couple of thousand pounds some of these courses can be and sometimes you know they're 100 200 300 quid sometimes they're not too bad sometimes it's worth just you know because you obviously you can't necessarily afford the thousands of pounds but it's worth yeah. just keeping your cpd ticking over and it's worth just just getting on these courses and just getting ticks and boxes and you know certain like so i'm a i'm a senior member of the accph which is sort of this accreditation for psychotherapists and um and so they have like some amazing sort of that they do with various sort of governing bodies whereby you can sort of go and get on you know once you've got your foot in the door of the accph and you know, you've got you know, the, the accreditation that you can speak to other people and, and get onto various you know there's education providers and you know they offer sort of um they might offer a discount or they might have something going on and they advertise through the accph so it's you know it's really worth um just continually pushing that cpd and, and just getting further and the psychology is constantly changing you know neuroimaging is constantly changing so we understand how the brain works better than we ever have done before and every day we're learning something new and every day we're finding out something fascinating i did a igtv with dean stock you know a year and a bit ago and uh, i was talking about um something called atrophy within the hippocampus so the hippocampus is this sort of emotional memory and it's part of the emotional regulation system 
and it gets sort of attacked by cortisol. So cortisol is a, is a catabolic chemical, right? And so we know catabolic, it breaks down protosynthesis. So if you're catabolic, it means you're not eating enough food and your muscles are effectively digesting themselves, right? And that's what everyone wants to be anabolic. No one wants to be catabolic. But effectively, the same thing happens in your brain, but it's caused by stress. So an excessive amount of cortisol damages your hippocampus and it damages your prefrontal cortex and certain other departments as well. And I'll talk about that in a second. But, but it damages the hippocampus, right? So your emotional regulation. So the more stressed you get, the more over-emotional you get. And actually then the more damaged this hippocampus is. And then that's when we see extremely traumatic events are, are linked to memory, right? So that's why in soldiers, a lot of the soldiers who work with PTSD, they a damaged hippocampus effectively it is lodged within that, that that's that massive overwhelming rush of glucocorticoid known as cortisol has damaged has, has has physically left a scar and shrunken the hippocampus now i was talking about with dean the really fascinating thing is is we can reverse this process we can effectively create hypertrophy within it and we can strengthen the neural patterns within there now the really fascinating thing and this is where it gets really juicy is that the neuro the neurons when they actually grow when they grow back the dendrites are sort of like if you imagine it it kind of looks like a hand the dendrites are very extremities you've got the arm which is which is which is the uh, the axons and you've got the sort of the dendrites in the extremities of of the cell it's not actually like the fingers that grow longer which you would expect it's the body of the cell so what does that mean it means that actually when we bounce back from adversity when we learn sort of coping strategies what happens is, is those cells, those patterns, those neural patterns, those thinking patterns grow back thicker and grow back stronger than what they were before. So as Rocky Balboa says, it's not about how hard you can hit, but it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. There is literally the neuroscience now with the imaging, with the with the improvement of MRI scanning to actually show the improvement and the strength within within uh, the cells of the brain. And we can actually see how the brain and body respond better to stress, to pressure, to thought patterns, to the way that we think and who and what we are through this neural imaging, which is really, really fascinating. And what it's actually done, this biological approach, as they call it, to psychology, because there's there's lots of different approaches to psychology, right? So you've got like the psychodynamic approach to psychology. That's Freud. Okay. And Freud, Freud was okay. Okay. But like, it's really good how he pointed out how important early childhood experiences are. Completely agree with him. If you think to the movie uh, Inside Out, you know, Inside Out, have you seen it with, with the, the Disney movie or Pixar? Sorry, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they've got, she's got those core memories that yeah. kind of make up her character. And as she goes through the sort of uh, traumatic as you will, but that traumatic experience as she's grown up as a teenager, moving to this new town and embarrassing herself, like yeah. these, these core memories, you know, so there's lots of references to really, really clever psychological theories there. And, and it's a psychodynamic approach. And so Freud was very good at highlighting the importance of, of early childhood experiences and memories to shaping who we are as adults. But aside from that, he said a lot of shit wasn't your fault. Okay, it's not your fault. It's the yeah. way you were raised. Like, yeah. it's not your fault. You're an arsehole. Like, that, it's your mum's. Okay, cool. But Freud was an arsehole and he was a bit of an underachiever. So actually, like, he, he was just sort of the golden boy at the time. So there's the psychodynamic approach. You know, there's the, uh, the, the biological approach, which I've spoken about. And again, you know, that's people saying, you know, it's not my fault. It's my genes. It's in my blood to be this way. You know, again, cool. That's an approach. It's an influence on your behavior. Okay. But you can't attribute everything to that. You know, it's not like I could say, not like I could stand up in a court of law and I could say, uh, Your Honor, you know, it's not actually my fault that, um, that, that I'm, I'm being com convicted of a violent crime here it's not my fault um yeah. studies have actually shown children from a from a from an abusive background have a difficulty processing um, the, uh, the neurotransmitter serotonin because of a lack of some of these therefore i'm actually far more genetically susceptible to outbursts of violence and aggression <laughs> judge go cool you're still going away for six months. Yeah. Like, so, so again, no biological approach. Like you go, wow, I'm really impressed that, you know, but yeah, wow, absolutely. Yeah. That is indeed what studies have shown, but you still stab somebody. So, you know, that, 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 so again, biological approach, it's not the be all and end all the psychological approach, the psychodynamic approach, is not the be all and end all, but there's lots of different ones. Behavioral approach. Again, everything is influenced by your surroundings and, and, and who and what you are. 
Kung Fu Panda. You know Kung Fu Panda when he punches that sort of doll that doesn't knock over? And yeah. he's like, oh, we use that to pop the door open. Well, that's called a Bobo doll. And it's a head nod to a really famous experiment called the Bobo doll experiment by this guy called Bandora. Bandora basically put a Bobo doll in a corner, had an adult play with a child, and then said to the adult, oh, can you come outside, please? And the adult had been told to do this. He stood up really angry, and he punched his Bobo doll, and, it, and, and off he stormed out. Then the, the same guy came up, came out to the child. Can you come outside? The child did about 85% of children in this massive experiment. Did exactly the same thing, went, stood up and then punched the bobo doll and walked out. So again, we then see how like the behavioral approach to psychology is an influence on behavior, but it's not the be all and end all. And there's, of, of, you know, of the cognitive approach to psychology and the humanistic approach to psychology are sort of very similar. So cognitive um, uh, approach to psychology is the understanding that there is a thinking mechanism. There is stuff so going in, there's information, there's processing, and then there's an output. And actually with the development of computers within sort of the 1950s onwards, actually that's the, we've understood the principles of cognitive psychology. Epictetus, like in a, a Greek philosopher was saying, it's not what happens that matters, but how you react that matters. And yet that wasn't kind of taken really into, into the scientific world because it's hard to measure that as an output. Yeah, you yeah. can measure behavioral influence and you can, but you can't measure the approach to psychology particularly well. So as a science, it was kind of, blech. but actually, now development of computers, we can say people are processing information to produce object response. So actually, the cognitive side is then sort of now, you can see various departments of the brain working stuff out, trying to do shit before we respond. You know, and that's and humanistic is everything. Like none of the other ones matter. Humanistic is everything is free choice. Like everything you choose to do is because of you and what you choose to do, which is a wonderful way of looking at it because I kind of agree with it. But then the way that you are raised as a child is going to play an influence. Your genetics are going to play an influence. Thinking how you feel is going to play an influence. So really is all of them and it's every single approach and understanding an element of every single approach and how we're all affected there is not one right answer which is difficult because psychology is trying so hard to be taken seriously as a science and yet in all the other sciences there is one answer right you're right or you're yeah. wrong that's how science works but not in psychology yeah. there's so much of it that is individual interpretation it's a lot of sense mate definitely and um you find that when you're actually talking to people about different issues within mental health itself it's like i'll take my mind for example when i when i first started talking about my own little issues right. and my problems that i've got and i put a little post out on a on a facebook group of um, my former regiment and i had this lad just pop up and he said yeah but what <laughs> what incident triggered your ptsd and i was like it wasn't just one wasn't just one on, there's loads of different yeah. things that have happened from me growing up, things that happened with me and my missus, things that happened when we were trying to conceive our ch children. We had ended up with three miscarriages, things like that. All these different things that I never processed through. And then at the end, when I finally left the military, it all just went whoosh, and just yeah. swallowed me whole. And they were like, yeah, but what one incident was it? It's like, oh, can you like read a book or something and just <laughs> understand how the mind works? Everybody yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. It's mad, mate. Yeah, you know, mate, and that that's one of the, one of the biggest things that I found when I was working um, with the. I mean, I still still do find is that is I've had young lads say to me, you know, I I can't, I, you know, I feel guilty coming forward and trying to speak to you about depression and anxiety, how I'm feeling because I wasn't on Herrick. Or, you know, I, you know, I, yeah. I haven't done anything. And that's, it's not about that, mate. You know, an analogy that I've got is that a, a man can drown in a paddling pool or a man can drown in an ocean. To me, the size of the body of water is irrelevant. What matters is that there is a man who is drowning. And, and, and to stop a man from drowning, you pull him to safety. It's a very temporary fix. What you have to learn to do is, is teach that man how to swim. So teach that man how to cope when he is feeling overwhelmed, when he's feeling like he's drowning, teach that man to swim. And you can only teach a man to swim if you yourself have swum. 
If you yourself have got wet, if you yourself at some point have been drowning in that water and have had to learn how to swim, then you can teach it accurately. So to go back to what you were saying, there are people there who think they've got wet, who then want to belittle your experiences in a, in a way to sort of boost their own ego. And we see that a lot. It's a bit of an inferiority complex. There's a lot of that within the military. Like a lot of people want to naysay each other, like actually one of the most toxic, toxic sort of friendship groups or, or however it is you want to refer to it. One of the sort of toxic groups we see is actually this bro vet community where veterans want to undermine each other. And the best thing you can do is just sort of stay away from it really and, yeah, yeah. and not get involved in that, you know, yeah. Yeah, but you know, as we talk about who 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 shot what, like nobody shot anything. Let's just support each other in a yeah. really positive way. But like a lot of people exactly don't know because there's that inferiority complex. Yeah, yeah. But that's and there is that inferiority. Why... So, bro, you put... sorry, yeah. carry on, mate. Sorry. I think that's one of the reasons why I struggled so hard at the beginning to actually speak up and say something. Um, I can also speak a little bit from experience with one of my other pals that was suffering with depression, and he said it was because of certain things that he um when he left the military similar to myself and i did what fucking 99 of the people do because i didn't know it i know i didn't know any different and my my reaction was fuck off mate you're in the rough red you didn't do anything that was how i was until i then started having these same feelings all these emotions that i couldn't deal with and i was like fucking hell, i'm struggling here but again i was like i can't say anything because I'm going to get the same treatment back. It wasn't until I literally, um, like I've mentioned, fucking God knows how many times, I was literally in bits in on the floor in my kitchen. My daughter came over, told me that she loved me, that sort of thing. And that's when I went, i got to get some fucking help here. I've got to do something. And that's when I started the podcast. I was like, I've got to show people that you've got, you've got to open the valve a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And tension out yeah absolutely and it's really important that that these these conversations are had and and um i think one of the, the things that i talk about quite a lot is i think the days of mental health awareness are, are finished and i think we're done with mental health awareness because we're all aware like it's everywhere we understand that there is a problem what i'm a massive advocate of is mental health action so what are we doing I so that. i got to do this amazing interview okay with with this, yeah, with this guy called Bill Fitzgerald, right? So Bill Fitzgerald stormed the beaches on Normandy, right? Flat back to load of Nazis. About four after with his brain gun, like he had the brain gun. Like if you're unsure if you are an operator or not, check, were you at D-Day with a brain gun? Because if you were on D-Day with a brain gun, like you are an operator for life. Like there's no taking that away from anyone. Yeah, and he stormed the beaches on Normandy. Flat, yeah, flat packed to load of bags. He, he said when he got, their boat got hit. And the Navy guy jumped out with this rope and said, just follow the rope, because if I don't get hit by a sea mine, then you shouldn't. <laughs> so again, <laughs> again like this, this Navy guy, all absolute balls of stick. Basically, he's a Valon man without a Valon. He's yeah. just stopping his foot about. Like, if I don't blow up, then, then, then we'll be all right. Like, mark, amazing. Mark, You'll be um, golden, so we'll just, just follow him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, effectively, his job on D-Day was to be the Valon. Like, that's what he was. wasn't the Valon man. He was the Valon. And yeah. um and uh yeah and and Bill Fitzgerald when he jumped in his the weight of his brain gun and all the ammunition dragged him under. He said, "But I fought and fought because I would rather I would rather drown than not have gone on the beach with my brain gun." Now again, like that, that man, that makes him an operator for life. Like you can't take away from that man. So anyway, he did. We had this really fascinating chat. And he was, you know, considering his generation, he was really, really open about his mental health and his well-being and, and sort of how he came back from the Second World War and how he made this sort of recovery. Because he didn't admit there was a recovery process. And, and he said his friends used to tease him to say, oh, you basically, your, your, your wife is a, uh, uh, is a mental health nurse living with you or mental health or doctor living with you. And she, yeah. she looked up. Yeah, calming down. And he, and they did visualization she set goals like they were going to go on holidays and get on the train and go to the beach and he didn't know it at the time but that's you know she was she was employing some fantastic mental health um and, and well-being sort of techniques and, um they all best in the same sort of area so all the last came and knocked on the door so like a group of you walk you know like how it used to be when you're walking to school like all your mates walking to school together yeah, yeah. it was the same thing you know they're all walking to work together you know they all looked after each other and so I think there's some really positive lessons that we can take from that. You know, like we live in these nuclear families now spread out across the country, you know, 50% now, 50% during COVID, but 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. And it's about two thirds outside of, outside of that. Um, 
look at other things like 80 uh, 85% of, of teachers are primary school teachers are fee only 14% of men get the custody that they ask for you know the issue uh, in a lot of men's lives is not um isn't isn't toxic masculinity it's a lack of masculinity yeah, and it's something that that so actually Bill had a lot of he talked a really positive relationship with his dad he spent a lot of time around men and women and you know and he did have female teachers at school but he had you know really positive relationships with a lot of men and and it's and and he set goals with his wife like we're going to do three weeks you know of working and we're going to go to Cornwall for the weekend you know and then we're going to go visit auntie so-and-so you used, used, used to love it or you're going to go visit your auntie and have amazing but in two weeks time so let's push to eat and go visit your auntie he talks about all these really positive things he talks about how they ate good food and he was she you know looked after his physical health and he kept active and all of these kind of things and, and so sort of bring it back to the point the point is is that is that like yes we are aware there is an issue let's start talking about what we can do about this issue let's start encouraging people to play more sport let's encourage men's sports let's encourage really positive let's encourage open conversations let's encourage unity we are men so we crave a tribal instinct and a tribal influence so let's get these tribes let's have these tribes let's like it unite together in these tribes you know and, and there are various tribes in a tribe because we're both ex-military like you're, you're in a tribe because you know, you're ex-raffregiment you know and there's a lot of a, a lot of you you're very very proud as you should be who and what you are you know i'm i'm in a tribe i'm over at four power now so that's a tribe and that's a tribal influence and that's one of the reasons why i was so keen to go over to the reserves because that really positive tribal influence in my life like i crave it as a lot of us do crave it and that's why a lot of veterans struggle when they get out they're not staying active you're not eating the right food you're not drinking it's the basics when we talk about there's a, a model called maslow's hierarchy of needs right and so maslow sort of talks about um, uh, sort of, he's a humanistic approach to, to psychology and he talks at the very top he talks about self-actualization so that you are like in a state of nirvana okay so you're not you're very resilient very balanced okay you're not fussed by stuff you are in a really good place and at the bottom okay this this pyramid you've got like basic psychological needs like safety food water and sort of various other things going up this this pyramid so you reach this the top of self-actualization now i'm I'm, what I'm doing is I'm looking, taking this model and saying, let's just look at this from a mental health perspective. So before you come at me at the very top of this trying, I need advanced CBT therapy or I need spiritual, I need, you know, I need to look at spirituality. I need to, and you see all kinds of stuff, you know, I have to take my shoes off and read energies of mother earth. Before you do any of that stuff, <laughs> like how much water did you drink today? Like yeah. what exercise have you done? Who, who are you are you surrounded by dickheads because if you're surrounded by dickheads you're gonna if there are if you're in a group if there's five of you and four of those people are dickheads you're going to be the fifth one if you're in a group of people and four of them are really positive exciting generous but you're going to be the fifth one so who are you spending your time with? there is a theory you know, a, a social learning theory that dictates that we are the product of the five people we spend the most Time with so are those people you're spending the, the most amount of time with? actually how do you think how do you communicate with yourself so now we're working our way up this pyramid now we're talking about self-talk if i spoke to you in the way that you probably have spoken to yourself at times you either tell me to fuck off or throw a punch or chin me whatever yeah, so if you're not going to accept <laughs> it when i yeah you're not you're not going to accept it if i speak to you like that why do you accept it when yeah. you speak to you like that so now we're to, to looking at, well, actually, how do we improve that? And let's look at repetition of positive statements. Oh, now we're moving up. Let's talk about subjective positive statements and subjective positive triggers to performance. Okay, because performance doesn't just necessarily mean P company. It doesn't necessarily mean LLP. It doesn't necessarily mean a patrol. Like a performance can be a performance of anything getting out of bed and facing the day and having a busy, productive day is an element of performance. So actually then let's look at subjective, positive statements, reinforcements and triggers to this performance. Now we're working our way up. And by the time you get to the top, if there is, you know, a, a real core, you're in a good position to be able to face that. People want to jump from that. I'm in shit state and I need, spirit, I need, I need this therapy. And actually, yeah, they do. But what they need is a guiding hand through the low levels first as well. Yeah, you know, not just food and, and drink, but what are you watching? Look at Piers Morgan's just been 
obviously fobbed off, thank God, from, from this morning. And and I know that it's funny because a lot of squadies were saying, you know, I really, I really like him because he, he, he speaks the truth. I don't, no, but he fucking doesn't, though. Like, let, yeah. let's not forget in 2003, he, he, he was fired from the mirror for the, 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 the fake, not Photoshop, fake, staged, people, just staged. actors, yeah. staged photographs of British soldiers torturing Iraqi civilians that he refused to apologise for. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Now he says that he, he says he was, he put out in a statement that he was fired from from for being too outspoken about the war in Iraq. He weren't. That isn't why you were fired from the mirror. Oh, you were fired because of the, the the war in Iraq had been going on for like four years by this point. You were fired from the mirror because it was because because of the, the photo because of the, the fake images. And he said he was fired from America because he was outspoken about their gun laws. Mm, a little bit, but. Like that Ben Sharpie's like a mega bloke. Have you seen the guy Ben yeah, Sharpie? Yeah, he's like crazy. this kind of intelligent. Yeah, yeah. Like he he let you know you know when someone's super switched on because they let the other person finish speaking before they destroy them. So like he let he stands there, lets them finish. And like what happened was was Piers Morgan got a bit of an ego, thought he could take on Ben Sharpie about gun control, and Ben Sharpie absolutely like tore him apart. And because of that, his ratings fell through the floor and he had to leave. And now he's saying he's been fired from GMTV or uh, good morning, sorry, for um for speaking his mind. And no, that that isn't <laughs> yeah, that isn't really true, is it? Like you harass like in the 48 hours prior to that. Um, that that going live and that incident of him going live, he tweeted Meghan Markle fifty seven times. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's nothing short of harassment. Yeah, if if that was a regular human, that would have he been. And his hatred for her for. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. If she wasn't a princess, you know, he's, he's she just, chinned him off. She ghosted him. She was like. Yeah. We should live in a world where that is absolutely normalised. Like, if someone's posting, like, I don't report it, I don't complain. They're still my friend. I just don't like their their view or their opinion. I think they might be a bit toxic, and they're not hurting anyone. So what I do is I just I remove them. That's like you're still my friend. That's cool, but you know I don't need to see that in my feed. Yeah. And so with Pete Morgan, he constantly, constantly spewing out rhetoric. Claiming to his own narrative, claiming to be the voice of this sort of uh, the silent majority, and um, and 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 what's happening is all this negativity is just being blasted into people's faces first thing in the morning, and it's so awful for you, and it's such a negative effect on you. You know, as a human, you actually produce cortisol when you watch something like like Piers Morgan. You're now associated in news with a with a with a spike of adrenaline and a spike yeah. of cortisol because you're getting. By the things he's, you know, and he, he's he's sort of reading very bastardized information that he ha- he doesn't really understand or isn't quite. It's not enough to not be true, but it's very borderline. Yeah. And um, uh, and he's sort of spewing this rhetoric in the television in the morning, so people are absorbing it and going about their day with. It. So again, that's another thing that I talk about when I talk about this pyramid. What are you putting into your body every day? And I'm not just talking about food and water. I'm talking about the information. What yeah. are you watching? What are you reading? What are you absorbing? Human beings don't tend to learn, we tend to absorb. So what are you absorbing every day? So again, another thing for squaddies when they get out, you know, if you're watching huge amounts of Piers Morgan, obviously we all remember the Jeremy Carr show. We kind of look back at the Jeremy Carr show and think, I believe that was really a thing. Don't get me wrong, it's the best thing happy break. But we can't believe it now, right? Look, you think, oh my God, that's horrendous really what was going on. But you see how, how things, when they become socially accepted, individually they just become accepted. Yeah. Like we all we used to watch it, we did it, and it was just accepted. But now it's gone away because it wasn't okay. What happened? There was one incident. Obviously, there was many incidents, but one particular. How easily did we fall into that trap? How easily did we think that something that was so negative was socially acceptable? And yeah. that's what we're going to see now. We're going to look back at the stuff that Piers Morgan was coming out with and go, "How was that ever okay?" Yeah, I I always had a I always had a problem with Piers anyway. Well, me and my brother, when he, whenever Darren's on on my show, he's always like, we'll just refer to him as he who shall not be named. But sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes he does have a good point, and you're like, oh, that's a fucking good point. But then other times you're like, yeah. you're a fucking dick. And I used to hate watching yeah. him, and he wouldn't let people finish talking. And it's like, let him fucking finish. Even if it's yeah. that fucking dickhead Tommy Robinson when he's trying to make a point. 
Yeah. And Piers is cutting him out. He's like, well, let him make his point and then answer him for fuck's sake. Yeah, but yeah. yeah you're, you're totally right. Because even now I'm getting sort of riled up thinking about Piers Morgan. <laughs> yeah. And so you have that spike of adrenaline and cortisol. And now you associate sort of the news with that. And so people look, people say, oh, I missed that. You miss that. And so when we actually people come out of toxic relationships, particularly if they have really toxic relationships as children, it's quite interesting to see, right? So you associate the news, you associate your morning news now with this screamy, shouty, very opinionated man. So what we find now is you've associated the news with adrenaline and cortisol. Now people, children who grew up in, in, in sort of traumatic, really rough childhood experiences, they often associate romantic relationships or loving relationships with cortisol and adrenaline and therefore they seek them out as adults so you grow up as a child with a really disruptive home life you quite often see a disruptive home life as an adult which is why we see patterns repeating themselves again ties therefore into like a bit more of a psychodynamic approach to psychology we talked about earlier on that freudian that you yeah. are very much shaped by your early experiences of life if you have a difficult connection with mother and father then you're going to have difficult connections with women and and and, and men as an adult and so again it ties back into you know what we're talking about the different approaches of psychology and of course this sort of hierarchy that i'm sort of working on but my own hierarchy of, of needs but when it comes to mental health and and actually that sort of hierarchy of mental health of 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 people who are um you know relationships we look at actually who are you surrounding yourself with and it's quite easy to you know when people surround themselves with robbers then ask them did you grow up around robbers effectively not in that not yeah. using those words, but did you grow up around novels? Because if you grew up around novels, chances are you're going to look th- look for those kind of novels as an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. That's some strong stuff when you think about it. And again, it's like it's a lot. A lot of it does start when you're when you're a kid. Like I, I was I was bullied as a kid, but I didn't realise I was being bullied, which is a a strange thing. It wasn't until my like. I think it was my brother and my mum noticed something at school. I thought my bully was my best mate when I was growing up. He was he was bigger than me, that sort of thing. He was always putting me down, but I was always part of the group. And it's it's just it's and little things like that always seem to like just follow you a little bit. It's like fuck. How I, I see little things with 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 me daughters now, and I'm like, oh, just be careful there. Yeah, she, I've got I've got a little girl and and I've slipped into this nasty habit where I keep calling her gorgeous. Hey, I'm gorgeous. Yeah, I'm gorgeous. And it's just a mannerism of I'm right, but then I don't want her self worth to be associated to her looks. Yeah, you either be like, <laughs> all right, brainiac. Yeah, you know, but find yeah. it you know a, a slightly cute way. Because if I if I keep calling her gorgeous, she's going to associate her self worth as a child to then how she looks, and then the same thing's going to then potentially repeat itself but it's slightly different with girls and and it's a difficult conversation you know even though that you know you, you can do as much studying and write as many reports about it and assignments and essays as you want but the reality is, is it's never going to be something I truly understand but but you know with girls if I associate if I make my daughter associate herself worth to how she looks um then when she feels like she doesn't look good then she's going to have a, a, a lack of self-esteem a lack of self-efficacy yeah. and then that's going to potentially produce neuroses psychological abnormalities or just shit behavior and yeah. so um you know i've got to be sort of i'm aware of that as a dad but i'm also aware that it's not really something necessarily that i'm an expert and can comment on yeah. because you know i don't want you know, yeah it's a difficult it's one it's a, that, that is a minefield that is a minefield like like I'm not sure how old your your daughter is. My mine mine are ten and seven. Well, the eldest is nearly ten, and they're I say it every every fucking episode. They're the most sensitive, loving kids in the in the world. They're fucking brilliant. And uh, I mentioned it on my Sunday episode that I did. My eldest came up to me and she went, "I don't know how true this is, but she was like, did you know that Winnie the Pooh is based on?'" mental health issues i was like no what are you talking about she was like well if you look at the characters there's similarities to certain mental health issues i was like go on she went well her words the the obvious one eeyore he's depressed he's depression yeah i was like yeah "Yeah." she went piglet tigger adhd tigger yeah adhd piglet anxiety 
Winnie the Pooh has yeah. got a, a, yeah. an eating disorder. Body dysmorphia, maybe. He has got a bit of a, he has got a bit of an eating disorder. Yeah, yeah, he's obsessed. He's assessed by by honey. There's a little bit of codependency between him and Piglet as well. Yeah. I don't know if she's seen it on YouTube or whatever, or if they're teaching that at school. But I know um, her school are actually really big on it. They have um, mental well-being days at the minute to make sure that they're all all right. Yeah. Through, um, all the different lockdowns and, and what have you. So at the minute, I think this is the last one that they're having um, in terms of how this sort of way of they're doing it. Uh, they have half a day on a Wednesday so that they can and basically they sit there and they discuss their th thoughts and feelings to make sure that they're all right. There's nothing that's bothering them and things like that. I was like, that's brilliant. I was like, my school, I, I, we never had anything like that, obviously, back in early night, well, the mid nineties. But I was like, that's, that's brilliant. And the fact that she can uh, fucking relate to these different thoughts and feelings, I think is quite a strong thing because like, like I said, when I was struggling, I didn't, all these emotions, I was like, I don't know what to fucking do with these. I'm not, I'm not used to these fucking things. But she, she seems to be pretty fucking switched Yeah, on. yeah, you know, and, and, you know, like we, we, you know, it's kind of internationally known when you talk about oh, your uh, teenage years is a difficult emotional time, but nobody teaches you how to deal with, just go, oh, it's your emotions, get over it. Yeah. Oh, it's just hormonal. Um, I, I add, do you know what, do you know what though, mate? Like, I, I add the, uh, I had to get out of jail free card, literally, because I had to get out of jail free because of, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a traumatic thing. So, so I was I was allowed to go off the rails because everybody knew about it. It was all in the papers and whatever. So, you know, I was I was a troubled kid at school. You know? So yeah. that meant that I could get away with quite a lot of shit. Yeah. You know, like the, 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 the pupil who's like way over for me with a teacher's like, and is like just doing what he wants. And they're like, oh, we'll get a report card signed at the end of English. Like, nah, lost it. And like, oh, okay, well, thanks for turning up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sound. Um, so, um, um, so yeah, um, it was, uh, but I, I, it's, I never thought of Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh like that. And I'm trying to remember there's a, there's a kangaroo, isn't there? And she, she's a little bit overprotective. Got a little bit of separation anxiety from her kids as well. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know. We could, uh, could, could, could definitely explore that. I've just watched, um, just finished watching Bates Motel, which um, there are some gaping holes in that story. I've seen it. It's a, it's a, it's a Netflix thing called Bates Motel. It's, it's, it's effectively a, a reimagining of the story of, of Psycho. Do you remember the Alfred Hitchcock movie? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> quite famously, that scene. So they reimagined it with the uh, Bates Motel. <clears throat> now. Couple of issues with it are is that that there's some massive holes in the storyline. Like like there's more holes in that storyline than there are holes in the defense budget at the minute. Okay, there's like <laughs> big gaping ones in that. Yeah, but the uh, the <laughs> issue is man, is that is that it, it kind of feeds into the rhetoric that if you're mentally ill, you're you're dangerous. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is that actually, if you are mentally ill, you are far more likely to be a victim of violent crime than you are to be a perpetrator. So, so like somebody being psychopathic and cutting their throats and killing people and da, 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 is actually really rare. And sort of psychopathy has been very much glamorous and culture. You know, we all love a Ted Bundy um, documentary and we all watch the Ted Bundy stuff and we watch it. But actually, when you look at, if you consider there's eight billion people on the planet, you consider about how many, how many of them are actually diagnosed as psychopathic it's it's less than like not 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 whatever one percent it's, it's nothing that the, the truth of the matter is that there's not been enough people who we have identified as psychopaths to really do a decent detailed scientific study in it there's so much about being psychopathic that we don't understand now so many people want to jump on that bow and go yeah i'm a psycho or someone is is having a fight or if someone is a little bit punchy they go psycho but that's yeah, yeah. the reality of the situation the reality if you suffer from a mental illness you, you're actually a very vulnerable person i often refer to um my 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 client people i work with or have worked with because that's how i see them they're the most vulnerable people they're not the most dangerous they're the most vulnerable and actually the thing they are most dangerous to is themselves yeah um 
I, there's a really interesting bit about, you know, when I was working with, with Opsmart, the Army Mental Health, um, and we, we looked at that, you know, I say Britney Spears, you kind of instantly go to 2006 Britney when she shaved her head, right? But nobody, you know, you don't instantly go to that multi-million platinum selling albums and all that kind of amazing stuff that she did do in child, you know, child suits. Yeah, she is, you know, I watched the uh, Britney, was, uh, new Britney, the three Britney documentary, like incredibly talented. She's an incredible like, pop, like that kind of, yeah, yeah. That kind of pop music doesn't float my boat or anything, but I can appreciate the fact she's an extremely talented girl. Like, yeah. she's incredibly tough, but we always just associate her with mental health. Now, Frank Bruno, you know, we don't, he, more and more people just associate him with his mental health breakdown. And he's actually, he's taken the reins of that and, and he's doing some amazing stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's walking here. You know, there's loads of loads of really, really damaging language that's used in, in media. And and actually it's kind of it is kind of damaging for mental health. You know, when people say psycho, they're gonna think of that movie psycho, or they're gonna think of Bates Motel and think of this this kid who went and killed you know eight people he killed in the end in this in this little series. Um and it's not, you know, that's just not the case. Yeah. So when it comes to mental health, to bring it all the way back, because I'm I'm aware of the time, to bring it all the way back to sort of start. Enough of mental health awareness. Talk now positive action. Let's talk about being together as group, as friends. Let's talk about the realities of mental health because it is very ugly. Let's talk about the ugly mental health. Let's talk about each other. Let's make really positive experience. Let's talk about positive masculinity. Okay, let's make masculinity about being protective, being supportive, being kind, being humorous, being humble. Let's make masculinity about that. I will always judge a person by how much you can lift someone up not by how you can tear people down yeah and yeah. um and, and i think you will see in the next sort of five six years as the social conscience and consciousness our so our group of our social group consciousness turns to actually what is masculinity and what does that really look like we will see vast changes in this over the next sort of five six years and and, and i'm all for it i'm really here for it the changes of, of how how yeah. men speak, how we treat our mental health, and actually the action that we take towards it rather than just talk about it. Because doing 22 press-ups is great. It's not doing anything, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree, mate, on that one. And uh, I, I think I put a couple of posts out just recently that we all, everybody needs to do more. Like, it's one thing saying, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to do the the push-up challenge or I'm going to go and do a three peaks thing for for mental health or whatever but have you actually phoned your mate yet have you actually made sure any of your family are all right we're still in a in a shitty fucking lockdown still have you are we all are we all going to step up to the mark when somebody needs you or are you just going to bang out some more press-ups it's like so let's all do it. Yeah, do that little bit extra. Let's go a little bit extra mile. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, and, I think and the uh, and, and the first positive step. I'd like. Sorry, carry on. Sort of cut out with a little bit then. Second, sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry. The, the the signal sort of went. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate. I missed that last sentence. Oh, I was just saying that we all. No. We all need to. Oh yeah, so so just for me, I think. Yeah, we do, and I think for me, and and I know that we're aiming to be done by seven, so this this kind of hits that perfectly. Is is for me the first thing I like to do is I like to, to do a talk about um to talk to listening skills. So actually, rather than you know blokes being like yeah yeah some 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 no 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 come on, put your shit down, face you mate, look at him as if he is, which of course he is, completely deserving of your time. Look him in the eye. And talk to each other and don't just ask someone like how are you ask it you know no but how are you there's a really powerful question that actually most of us see every day and it's on your facebook and it says what's on your mind and that's a really powerful open question what is on your mind amount of time someone you say to someone you're right mate and they go yeah sound and you grab them you go no 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 come on what's on your mind and they go got this fucking thing going on and you're like, okay cool let's talk about it and then let them talk let them vent let's talk about active listening skills, real positive communication between men. Let's talk how girls talk, yeah. but not how girls talk with the same sort of intent, but, but, but how, but let's, let's do it in a masculine way. So to the women have always been taught to communicate. 
it's taught to each other to, you know, and they don't always work out perfectly. Of course it doesn't. But actually, they've taught from a young age to communicate more. Whilst as men, we, we don't have that. Well, actually, let's start that. So we've done mental health awareness. We're all aware. Right, this is the issue. Right. Well, these are the positive steps. So let's start. Let's start with better communication. Let's 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 cut it off at the root. Let's let's nip it in the bud. Use that that military term. Let's nip it in the bud by getting there nice and early and having that conversation straight away. Destroying these things, managing these things before they become a mental health issue. Before people become overwhelmed with cortisol, become overwhelmed with stress, have degenerative effects to their mental and physical health. Let's deal with that straight away as men, and then it's done. That is very much what I talk about, what I try and emulate, and what I was educating when I was when I was the two IC of British Army Mental Resilience, and definitely what I try and do now in my in my sessions, in my group sessions, and certainly on my social media. Fucking love it. Speaking of social media, James, where can they find you? Uh, uh, I am on Instagram as at James Elliot Official. Um, I've got a link in as James Elliot double L double T, and those are my sort of two main platforms. My Facebook, I keep for my sort of friends and family because I still want to have a bit of banter and not get in trouble for it <laughs> and uh and uh yeah and and the uh, and the Instagram is is my sort of my um my my professional profile along with my LinkedIn love it mate love it mate that's been fucking brilliant thanks very much for having me now uh, the privilege is all mine as always cheers bud I'm glad that we managed to um to get this sorted and get it cracked straight away. You know, there's a, there's a, oh, my alarm's just gone on to take the bins out. But the, uh, I get a lot, after setting an alarm, mate, I've always forget, you know, green bin, brown bin day, it's a nightmare around here. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it can be really hard to get people in. And I obviously I get a lot of requests for a lot of podcasts. Yeah. So if there's a window of opportunity, I'll find it best to just seize it straight away. Sweet, mate. But thanks again. Thanks for your time, buddy. And I'll catch Cheers, you again. Mate. Cheers, dude. Take care, mate.